Episode 296, The Rant. Josh Corbin, Eternal Crusader, former Lujai standout, Iona basketball alumni, current assistant coach for the boys' varsity basketball team. As a ref, Josh and I have had our share of debates. In this pod, we discuss a strange flag football game experience we shared, his come up in Westbury, New York, what led him to Lujai, his experience playing in college at Iona, and his give back as an assistant coach. All that and more, my conversation with Coach Corbin, now. The Rant has been brought to you by Geo Studios, now open. They are located one block south of Westbury Train Station in the heart of Long Island, New York. Looking to bring your art or event to life? Trying to record a podcast? Enjoy six rooms of studio space to create audio and visual content. It also includes an 800-square-foot cyclorama wall studio, a state-of-the-art recording studio, three breakout rooms for four to six people each, which include a green room and lounges, a quality surround sound with six speakers and studio lighting, and most importantly, two on-site restrooms. You know I need my restrooms. Book your space today. For more information, find us at geoevents.com. The Rant has been brought to you by The Irrefutable Magazine. Co-editor in design Kevin Sparrick and co-editor at large Ralph Fernolis decided to combine both of their talents in writing and illustrations to bring to you a new online experience from an official's perspective. They both ref, but it's deeper than officiating. They create art for all time. Do you think your brand would be a good fit for The Irrefutable Magazine audience? Want to advertise with us? Visit us at theirrefutable.com slash sponsors for more information. We are the irrefutable. Welcome to another edition of The Rant. I'm your host, Ralph the Ref. I'm with a super special guest via Bluetooth since we have to be socially distanced, even though I saw him yesterday at a flag football game. Assistant coach for the Lujai Crusaders Lutheran High School. Also formerly a player at Lujai basketball back in the day. Also an alumni of Iona College, a former Gale and of course, a flag football player, part-time sometimes, and now doing a five-man games. <laughs> Mr. Josh Corbin, how are you, my friend? I'm good. I'm good. How are you? I'm good, man. So, yeah, we had a crazy game yesterday. I gave like a 40-yard penalty because this was like a culmination, <laughs> like a decade of this guy that I keep giving. And I'll tell you what set me off, man. Like, yo, I used to be on Matt's team. Like 10 years ago, I used to play for it, like right before I started refing. And uh, I know Lupa was on the team. So just like the way he set it off, like he can't play like already. Like, we already have this. So, and, you know, I know you from a crazy basketball um, league that I used to do with Nick. So every time every time mm-hmm. I see you, there's always, like, a drama-filled day for, for me to ref. So <laughs> that's always my perception with you, man. But nonetheless, how are you? Welcome to the show, man. Oh, man, this is wonderful. I'm so happy to be here. Thank you for inviting me. Oh, man, I'm, I'm so excited because I've always wanted to speak to you, especially, like, I want to say the first time I saw you was at that adult league in that crazy gym with it was, like, I don't even know what kind of floor it is. It's like a church floor. And, um, yo, your Jimmy was wet. I was like, oh, clearly this guy played somewhere. So, you know, I was excited to, uh, to finally see you. And then I saw you on a flag football field. How did, how did you put the connection with, uh, with Prince who has been dormant for a while? And then he just appeared with his son playing again with Bogarts. How'd you get involved with him? You know, it was such a funny story. Uh, I was, um, you know, I, I'm also, I do, the Luhai camp. I'm a program director there. So like, uh, Matt's sons were there at camp and, um, 
you know, Matt came up to, to school and he, he came up to the camp, went to see them and, and, um, you know, we got to talking and he said, yeah, you know, I, I try to teach my sons how to, how to, how to play the game and, and, and bring out their inner dog. And he was like, like I did when I played flag football. So then the, the right there, the, the conversation stopped and I said, flag football. I said, I play flag football. And he was like, no. I was like, yeah. And I, he was like, well, what do you play? And then that's when it, it just snowballed. You know, he, he's been in the five-man world the whole time. I've been in the eight- and nine-man world the whole time. So we never really crossed paths. Um, so that's why it was very interesting. And, and, and also the funniest thing about it is that uh, um, I've known Michael Lupus since I was seven years old. Oh, wow. And I didn't know he played flag. Yeah, and I didn't know he played flag. His parents, his parents taught at Westbury High School where all my siblings went, my parents went, my cousins, everybody went to Westbury. And uh, Mike and I, we were really tight when we were young, really tight. Mike used to play ball. Me and Mike were Mike. Mike and I were like really, really good to, uh, uh, basketball players together. Like we used to play at halftime during the varsity game. So wow, it, it was it's a, it was good stuff. It was good stuff. Great reunion to have all of them. Yeah, it's just a shame Mike didn't play yesterday. Yeah, I was gonna say you didn't you didn't play with them yesterday. I'll tell you that much. <laughs> um, <laughs> exactly. We, I, I got a crazy story about Lupa. So um, it was one of my first years of doing flag football. Flag football is the first sport that I ever officiated. Um, I remember there was a 6'5 cornerback uh, that was guarding him. He does a back shoulder fade into the end zone. I feel like he oh, he like over overcompensated and the defender was in front of him and he was 6'5". I was like, Lupa's never, there's no way he's going to get the ball. He goes over his shoulder grabs the ball really quickly and just just taps it with two toes. And it was like literally the most athletic thing I've ever seen. So anything that Lupa, I mean, any, you ever seen him throw? I mean, unbelievable, this guy. Yeah. He's um, he's just an incredible athlete. I'm just so honored to, you know, officiate people like like him, like you. I mean, your, your jump shot is crazy. And we'll get into all that. But um, everything is crazy. Um, like I said, I was so happy to see you on a flag football field because I always think about somebody like you, like, you know, you're you, you're a little bit older and you still want to get involved in the game. And I know how much how much passion you had for basketball and just sports in general as a coach, as a as a camp director. Um, you know, I think the coronavirus has changed everything. And of course, um, you know, you guys went to the Federation Championship. I was on the girl side. I don't even know if you was there. Um, I was there when you when you guys beat Stepanak. Um, but, you know, you wanted to def- defend your title. And uh, it was a, it was a big thing for Curbelo and for Zed to go out there senior year to defend that Federation title. And we all didn't get a chance to do that. And it was just a weird time. So, you know, having said that, just talk about your experience with the coronavirus. How are you? How is your family holding up? And what was the moment that you took all this serious? Was, was, were you in the midst of a game when you find out and everything was kind of getting postponed and then shut down? Yeah. Well, you know, the, the coronavirus, you know, the, it's been a, been a crazy time. I mean, thank God my family is, uh, they're doing pretty well. Um, you know, it's, you know, those that I've known that, that have gotten the coronavirus, except for one of my good friends, um, everybody else has really done, done well with the, with the virus in terms of the symptoms, it's just except for, you know, one of my really good friends that I went to Luhai with, um, and played on the team with, but, um, you know, the, the, when, when I found out about the coronavirus, we were actually at practice and we were we were as coaches, we were all betting on it pretty much. Like, will it, you know, will it shut down and when it will shut down and how much of the country will it shut down? And, um, you know, I was always an optimistic, uh, on the optimistic side of it. 
And I was always saying like, no, I think, I think we'll be okay. I think we'll get the Federation in. Um, because during that time, you know, it's March. So, uh, we are, we are in full fledged prep for the Federation mode. And, um, you know, as you know, with like Luhai, we, um, we usually get like a month to, to six weeks off before we play in the Federation, which, you know, uh, some, some may think it's a gift, but some may think it's a curse. Like, um, our last, our last three meaningful games was Sierra Canyon in front of like 5,000 people in a sold out arena. Um, Patrick school who, who, uh, had, you know, countless division one players. And that was a sold out, uh, Luhai gymnasium, which was, which was incredible to play in. And then our last game that we played was a buzzer beater against Albany Academy and one of the greatest offensive games I've ever seen. Um, and, um, you know, it, that, that's how the season pretty much ended for us. And, uh, you know, we're, we're practicing now, getting ready for the Federation. And, you know, we find out, uh, that it just wasn't going to happen. And, 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 um, you know, they stopped playoffs for, for, you know, the other leagues midway through. And, you know, we were, in, we had one more practice and it was just, you know, it was sad for our seniors because our guys, you know, they, they worked really, really hard and, um, but, but I take nothing for granted. We had a incredible year and, um, our, our, our kids were really, they were really crushed about it, but you know, as, as resilient as they are, they, they came back and they, they're doing big things now, especially our seniors that, that have gone on to college. Yeah. And I was, I was waiting for that rubber match with uh Stepanak. I, I just wanted to see it for myself. And, you know, the thing is, I, I was always thinking about what was your parting shots for the seniors that, I mean, it was just like an inexplicable thing where you don't end you just end your season like that, especially like you guys were riding on a high with all those you know, nationally televised games. And even like that game um, that was sold out and at Luhai, it, that was a super spreader event, right? Like you look at the highlights now and you're like, I, I can't believe that happened before. It's like a different yeah. time. What, yeah. what did you say to them? Um, you know, uh, I see we, we always, as a staff, we've always taken great pride in just being honest and upfront with our guys. We always told our guys, you know, during the whole, um, you know, during, during the, the whole uncertain time, even before they, they, uh, canceled the rest of the, the playoffs in the season, we were just telling our guys throughout the process what would happen if this, you know, if it would cancel and what we would try to do for, you know, for, for preservation of, of whatever senior year they have left. Um, because, you know, we didn't know what was going on. Right. We didn't have an idea of, of what it would look like. So, um, let alone trying to explain it to, you know, 16 to 18 year olds. We had no idea what was going on. So um, we, we tried to be as upfront as we possibly could with them. And again, credit to our kids. They, they really took it in stride and um, they wanted to defend their title. They did. They wanted to defend their title really, really bad um, because they, they just, they, they always had that chip on their shoulder. Um, they always had a chip on their shoulder. They weren't, no one, no one said that they were the greatest players. Even, even uh, kids like Andre and Zed, like they, they, they might have been good players locally, but you know, nationally, they weren't getting the respect that they should have gotten. And and uh, they really wanted to play and 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 do what's right. So, you know, they they were crushed. And but but uh, like I said before, they um, you know, our seniors definitely took it in stride, and they they are they are showing what they have now. Yeah, and I'm happy that they're able to at least have a semblance of a season. I know for me as a low, lower uh, collegiate official, I don't have the the luxury to be in a Division One conference where I can still play. So 
you know, congratulations to those seniors that you had that are now freshmen and hopefully they excel at the next level. Um, the next thing that happened um, during this coronavirus thing was, you know, all the racial injustice, which was like a, a big conundrum because, you know, I remember the first time when I saw, I forget who it was, but I, I just remember there was like the first super spreader event where they were having protests and rallies. And I was like, oh man. And, you know, with the culmination of, of George Floyd, you know, I, I always stand behind our brothers and sisters and whatever color, because, you know, it's not really a black or white thing to me. It's a, it's a, it's a humanity thing. So just really lightly, did you participate in any uh, protests, any rallies? And, and what were your thoughts about all the racial injustice that's been happening? Um, I, I did not participate in, um, in any of the rallies per se. You know, I was, you know, my, I, I think everybody has, their their lane of what they can do and my my lane was really to to uh educate you know not only our luai kids you know um i i didn't mention this you know i i, I teach at a all boys school in, in brownsville brooklyn and um our our uh our boys needed some guidance too during this time period mm. and um you know that was that was very important because you know when you go out and you see people that are angry about something you have to know why right you have to know why especially the the boys that i teach in um from brownsville they they need to know you know why people are angry from their neighborhood and what was the the historical context behind that and um you know it was just something that i felt was really important it was really important to, to it was more important to me than than the protest itself um i i felt like you know educating our boys uh about why people were protesting the his the history of of uh, racial injustice and the history of police brutality, um, just so that you know when they when they go and they talk to uh, to, to other people and people want to know how uh, they feel that they can give an, an educated and informed opinion, and it won't just be something that they learned you know off Facebook or, right. or Twitter from an account that they've never seen before. So. Uh, I wanted to make sure that they were well informed, that they were well informed and we all have an idea of what uh, racial injustice looks like in the year 2020. Yeah, I think even to further your point, I think it's very important, especially like somebody like you who has that type of knowledge to be able to tell, you know, younger people to have critical thinking when they learn about information, especially like from the Internet, because sometimes you got to take these things with a grain of salt because you never know where the source is. Somebody might just slap up you know, a picture of Abraham Lincoln and they say he said that and it's like, oh, my God, everyone's outraged. So, you know, it's important to have that and also just media literacy. Right. Sometimes you don't know where the information's coming from. Um, you can combat that by, you know, really just having a critical thinking and, and a, a discernible eye of understanding what's happening. So that's a, a great thing that you do all of this time. Um, I think we've all been frustrated because, you know, I think Memorial Day, it felt a lot different. Everyone's like, you know what, F this. I'm, I'm done with this pandemic. We're we're going to try to do everything that we can do, like back to normal. I'm going to go to the beach. Everything's outdoors. And of course, we could still play flag football, but, you know, basketball still. Rims were down. You couldn't get any permits. The The summer basketball wasn't nearly as what it was. Um, and now it's just like in a weird place where, you know, some things are open, some things close temporarily. But um, out of this whole time from March till now, when we're taping this in uh, late November, what do you think you learned about yourself during this whole age of coronavirus? Um, I think, I think I learned, um, I think I learned I'm a better reader than I thought <laughs> in terms of, uh, reading books. Uh, I, I learned, I learned, uh, I can get into new things too. I, I've learned about our, our stock market much more than I, than I have. 
um, that I've known before. Um, I've learned about that. I've learned uh, exactly the the different mindsets of coaches um, as it pertains to basketball, not just basketball. I, I find, and, and uh, I know you may ask this later, but I find myself learning more from football coaches than I do from basketball coaches. Mm. I mean, it just, you know, just because football coaches, they have to be, you know, well organized. So I learn a lot of my organization from football coaches because they have to organize, especially college guys, organize anywhere between 85 and 100 people right. at once. And, you know, you have to be super organized in order to um, to get that and, and, and achieve that on a, a, at a high level. So um, I watch a lot of uh, college coaches. Like I'm talking about like symposiums and clinics and stuff like that on YouTube or, or paid clinics, uh, you know, that they have with college coaches. So I've learned a lot in terms of just organization of programs and, and um, you know, just how programs are supposed to be, be ran. And, and that, that, that's something that I learned, you know, a, a lot during this pandemic. And, um, and it's just, it's just been a, uh, it's been, it's been a fun thing. It really has, even though we've been inside, you know, people have, you have a choice to, to either get better or get worse. And, um, you know, I, I chose to do other things to make myself better, more informed, more educated. Um, and, and, you know, that's, that's pretty much it. Yeah. And that's such a good point with uh, football coaches. I'm a volleyball coach, and what I've learned from watching basketball coaches is that I don't have the stomach to uh, be in a season that long, especially like for somebody like you who starts like early October and you're probably grinding the whole season going all the way to almost April. It's like that's too much of a grind for me. But it's interesting that mm-hmm. you said the, the whole football thing because I feel as though when you are exposed to different basketball coaches, it's like you don't learn as much because it's it's such an incremental change. It's so small because – you're so deeply rooted in the game of basketball. Football is a lot different. But, you know, the fact that you play flag football, you still um, dabble a little in basketball. And, of course, you coach and teach. Um, you obviously have a passion, deep passion for sports. And, you know, having said that, I want you to have the opportunity to tell me, you know, where you grew up. What did you play growing up? What did you play in middle school, high school, and then college? Oh, man. Um, so I, I grew up in Westbury. Um Westbury, Long Island, and that that's that's where I grew up my entire life. My whole family went there. Uh, it was it was you know the, the the town was such a sports town growing up. Um, I mean we there there was there was basketball everywhere. There was football everywhere. I mean you know even like PAL bas- uh, baseball. Um, you know, I, and I played all those sports: uh, baseball, basketball, football. Um, but to be honest with you, my, my, and, uh, my closest friends know this, but like my best sport growing up was tennis. Actually, wow. I, I, I played, I played varsity tennis in eighth grade. Um, but I just had nobody to play with. So why would I continue <laughs> to play with, you know, I just had nobody. My parents didn't play tennis. Uh, my dad ran track. Like my, I, I, I just had nobody else to play with. So, um, you know, I quickly, Tennis quickly uh, fell out of favor for me. And then, you know, I, um, you know, the way I actually got to, the way I got to Lehigh was through Westbury. I, um, I used to be a water boy for Westbury's varsity basketball and football team. That was like the thing. 
you know, in the, in the early nineties, if you were, you know, a young, young kid. So at like six years old, I mm-hmm. started and I was a, and I was a water boy. I took great pride in like filling up the water, running it out to the guys. Cause those guys were, you know, these, these guys were larger than life to me at the time. Um, and, and, um, you know, these, they, they treated me really well. These, these high school guys treated me really well. And, um, you know, they, that got me into a lot of the sports that I, that I ended up playing. My brother played high school football and he's 10 years older than me. So, you know, at 16, I'm six, I'm running water out to him. I'm running, you know, and, and, and 17 and 18, you know, I'm, I'm running water out to him and his teammates. And, um, I, I quickly loved, you know, the game of football. Um, but then I particularly love playing quarterback because I watched Charlie Ward and I love Florida state. That was like my, still to this day, I, I'm a Florida state doc fan. I don't care how they're doing right now. Um, but I, 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 uh, I, I love playing quarterback and I love watching them. So I played football up until I got to, um, up until I got to high school. And, and that's how Westbury also brought me to, to, uh, Lujai is that every year they would play. Westbury and Lujai, and I would go on either the trip to Lujai or, you know, the home game, Westbury playing Lujai. And, and um, you know, Westbury had a really good team. So, like, the games would be good. The games would be good. And, you know, but then I would look at Lujai's team and I'd be like, wow, these guys are – I mean, Westbury's good, but Lujai is a little different. Yep. That's what I, that's what I would say. And, um, you know, uh, I, I just – and playing – and playing West uh, and playing uh, Luhai, you know that I, I just looked at him and and the colors and all that stuff just really caught my eye. And then sooner than later, come ninth grade, I'm I'm playing. Uh, I'm I'm uh, actually ready to go to pick a high school, and you know Luhai was a no brainer. And then I dropped every sport that I ever played and started playing basketball at Luhai. So. Wow. That, 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 that was high school. Yeah. Let me tell you something. So before we go on, and I don't think I've ever told you this connection, but, um, so I graduated high school in 1999. I was, uh, I went to Kellenberg and that was back in the day when, you know, the Rockville center summer league was something serious. And I played Lou high there. Right. And there was this kid from my town. Um, his name is fab Fisher. And, um, he, he busted. I went to school with that. That man busted my ass that night, man, and he um he made me lose confidence in myself. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like I was trying to, I used to think I was fast, and and you know who who else was from my neighborhood was Drew. Uh, Drew used to live mm-hmm. uh, not too far from me, so I lived like on the border of Hempstead and Baldwin. So I knew all of them boys, and man, they were they were something special, like really early. And I just remember, like we. Same thing. Like I, I go to a school. Like I think we're pretty good, but then when we always get pitted with Luhai, um, it it just didn't seem like I was playing the same sport, right? So, and at that time, you you think so such a you have a, such a a high vision of yourself of where you want to go, and then you meet a bad boy like Fab Fisher who's picking your pocket every time, picking you up at half court. Like, damn, like mm-hmm. I don't know what I'm gonna do. But um, just talk about that experience playing at Luhai with uh some of those great guys. And then of course your, your career and just the, the fact that you went to Westbury, uh, you know, we're, we're in the Westbury circuit. How come you didn't stay there? I, I know that you had that deep connection, but what made you, uh, what really persuaded you to get there at that point? And then just talk about your exploits at Luai. Well, my, um, so, so, you know, going to, uh, the, the transition from Westbury to Luai was, it was fairly simple. Westbury, the, the school was deteriorating in terms of, you know, just what was going on in every day, uh, school-wise, just the, the, 
the kind of uh, you know the, the the behaviors that were going on in Westbury, and it was it wasn't as family friendly as it as it normally was. Um, and my parents looked at me and were like, "Nope, you're not going there." Now, my parents they you know they grew up in Westbury's school system, and they they everybody like I said before went to Westbury, so um, you know the fact that they were like, "Nope, this is this is getting." too crazy and you want to and you want to play basketball like we we want to put you in the best position possible so where where would uh where would you like to go and and uh, I took entrance exams at Holy Trinity at Kellenberg um but I really I I knew where I really wanted to go so I ended up going to I ended up going to Lujai and um my my freshman year you know that was uh Drew and Fab senior year and, um, you know, I was just looking at them, uh, obviously in awe. I mean, like Drew, Drew Nicholas going to Maryland and I used to talk trash to him every single day. I could think about it. Um, even to this day, we actually just, uh, exchanged something on Instagram today. Uh, he's, I mean, not, uh, the other day, actually, he, he commented on the picture and, um, you know, to this day, we, we always talk trash to each other, but. Drew's a great guy, like incredible, incredible guy. Never like, you know, never big dogged me and stuff like that. Took me under the wing, you know, because he knew like, you know, I was uh, myself and my teammates were coming after him to, you know, to hopefully keep the tradition alive at Lujai. So he never was a guy that just like shunned us and stuff like that. Like he always kept us really um, close, like like a big brother type deal. And, and um, you know, I, I'm forever grateful for him with that. So. You know, playing ninth grade, I played varsity B, and uh, he was on the varsity team. So I was, you know, I felt, I felt like, oh, all right, I'm right there. But no, 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 like <laughs> it wasn't there yet. So um, yeah, I played varsity B in ninth grade, and uh, you know, then then um, a varsity athlete from then on, um, and, and uh, into my um, my my junior, my senior year ended uh, fairly uh, incredibly two two four-point losses upstate, you know, and uh, that, that stuck with me for the rest of my life, you know, losing by four points upstate twice, uh, both years. And, um, you know, I, I, I went on to, uh, I've, I've walked on at Iona, played, played college basketball at Iona. And, um, you know, that, that was an incredible, that was an incredible experience as well. You know, I have teammates that I, I now can call friends for, for life being at Iona and um, you know, it was, it was an incredible experience there as well. I, I, I enjoyed every bit of, every bit of my experience, not even just basketball, like the whole community was, was a beautiful place to be at. And um, you know, it, it was, I, I didn't enjoy the 7 a.m. practices. I'll tell you that, <laughs> but I, I did, <laughs> I, I, I did enjoy, um, you know, everything that came with it, you know, because I, I, I was always taught to just, you know, nothing substitute hard work. So um, that was just something that I really took to the heart. And I, I love uh, I love just having the experience of playing college basketball, playing, playing um, you know, North Carolina in, in Madison Square Garden and actually beating them. You know, like I was on that team. So um, that, that, was, that was like some of the most incredible experiences I've, I've had, you know, and, and, and uh, basketball takes you a lot of places. You know, that's, that's one thing I, I've, I've, I've learned and I've tried to, you know, tell my kids is just basketball will take you all around the world if you allow it to. 
um, and if you work hard enough. So um, this, you know, my my life has been blessed. You know, did, did I did I have the the most stellar college career? No, I'm not. You know, I, I can't sit here and say you know I was Jay Williams from Duke or you know one of these guys that that were five star guys coming off, but. I'm telling you, the, the experience didn't change for me. The experience was, was great, you know, I, and I love my teammates, whether they average two points or 30 points. I love every one of them. I can't talk about, about uh, bad about any of my teammates that I've had in my life. So it's been a, I've, I've been blessed. That's so awesome. And then, you know, I think about my time. Um, so like I told you, my basketball career was, was very short-lived. I've always got two fouls. I'd I never played AAU. I never played organized ball. So every time I would get in the games, like we'd play Chaminade, I'd start. I'd get two quick fouls within 40 seconds, and I'd be right back on the bench. But <laughs> my whole my whole claim to fame was volleyball because it was a different game. It was something that um, I was really comfortable in playing. And, you know, right after uh, I went to high school, I ended up being the coach there. And I've been this would have been my 21st season going in. And it's the same thing like your program, like we're you know, always top 10 in the state. We always compete for the state championship. And it's a very fulfilling thing, especially now you get older and you have perspective of saying like, you know, once I, I used to be in your shoes and, you know, you see how you can develop these people at a specific age. It's it's such a great thing. So, you know, what I wanted to ask you is how did you get into coaching? Um, coaching you know, it was a funny story, too. So, um, you know, um, Coach Buck and I were teammates at Luha and we, um, you know, we, we've known as soon as I, I have uh, – since I came into to to Luhai, we were you know we were tight. We were we were buddies, man. Like we we like we're we're almost in several. It was like Coach Buck, myself, and like two other guys. We just never really separated from there because we both loved sports. We loved everything. Um, there was always something to talk about because he loved he liked football. He liked basketball. He actually played tennis, which was funny. Um, and so if I did have a, I didn't know him when I was in eighth grade, but if I did, I might've played tennis still. Um, so he was like a hidden partner a little bit when I would screw around in like ninth and grade, um, playing tennis. Um, and, and, uh, you know, he loved baseball and he knew I loved my Yankees. He was a Met. So like we, you know, there was always something to talk about all year long. So, um, him and I, you know, we remained friends even when he went to, when he went to Wake Forest. Uh, we remained friends. We talked a lot. We spoke about um, we spoke about our college experiences. And you know, one, one funny story is that he, um, you know, I called him one day, and he was, you know, he just finished practice. And I was like, I was like, uh, John, hold on, let me ask you a question. Like, how often do you guys run in practice? And he was like, ah, oh, you know, we do like an up back or so or whatever. And I'm like, what? You know, um, uh, because I had like. I guess I had an old school coach that, you know, he was saying the old school coach in him was like, you know, he had a rule, any point that you lost by, we ran a monster for. So uh, a suicide, a monster or, and and, uh, so by any point, and there was one game we we lost. I I think it was my junior. We lost to Vermont. I think it was 26 points and um, guys were hurt the next day. So I asked, so I asked the coach, Buck, I was like, uh, how much do you guys run? He was like, no, oh, we do up and back. And I was like, you have Chris Paul on your team. You're told you guys do is up and back. I was like, what am I, what am I doing wrong? But, um, yeah, we remained friends, um, after, after, uh, college. And so when, when it came time that he got the job, he was just, you know, he was, it was his first year and, 
um, you know, he had guys that knew basketball around him and, you know, guys that, that really like understood the game, but like it, there was, there was a, a comfortability level that, you know, he was that, that like, you know, only, I, I guess only a few people can bring, you know, and the fact that him and I uh, knew each other for, for so long, maybe, and maybe it was like his first year and, you know, you know, when it's your first year, guys may not be upfront and fully honest, like oh, yeah. tell you something that they would, that they would tell your friends, yep. especially if you didn't grow up with them. Yep. And he knew I would give that to him. And I still do. So, um, he knew I would argue with him. I didn't really care. Like that's like, you're not, you know, coach, but like you're John. So I'm telling you, <laughs> you know, this is what it is. Right. And you're telling me, no, this is what it is. You're the head coach. So go ahead. You can, tell, you, you have the final say, but like, I'm going to tell you, you know, um, how I feel. So, um, you know, I came on to Luhai in the middle of his first year. Uh, and, uh, my, uh, my first experience at Luhai was a 40 point loss to Cardozo. That was my first, that was my first experience at Luhai. And, um, I'm glad that it, it's been going up ever since. Um, but that was my, that was my first experience. And from that first practice leading up to that game, I was just like, I, I was, I fell in love with, with coaching. I really did. I fell in love with coaching and I studied, um, I was, I wasn't even studying coaches beforehand, but I fell in love with it. Literally that, um, you know, that first practice that I went to leading up to the Cardozo game. So that, that was, that was, that was how I got into it. Damn. Shout out to coach Niclario, also a friend of the pod. Um, you know, since you've been starting to coach, how much do you, well, first of all, identify what do you think is your philosophy in coaching and how do you think it's changed over the years? Um, my philosophy, I mean, there's, that, that, you know, that, that, that question is pretty broad. I think my philosophy in coaching is just, you know, for, for, for the kid's sake, you know, my, my philosophy is, you know, do whatever you have to do to put the kids in the best position that that they can be in you know don't do something that puts yourself in the best position and, and what I mean is like you know if you've been running an offense for you know god knows how long I, like if you were coaching like 20 30 years you know sometimes you may not have the personnel to run that same offense you know you may have a base offense and that may be something that you run all the time but like your your money plays change every now and then and, um, you know, that's, that's my biggest philosophy is that I, there, there are certain things like values and character that the kids need to adapt, uh, to me with, and they need to adapt to our staff. But when it comes to like basketball, I'm going to try to utilize their skill as much as I possibly can. And, and, um, you know, and, and case in point, you know, um, last year when we had, um, Zed and Zed and Andre as, as seniors, um, you know, we put Andre in as many pick and roll situations as we could possibly put him in because that is something that gets uh, that that he makes everybody better, and and um, you know, and and him in a in a screen and roll is like the best thing that you can possibly do in, in for our team at that point. Um, you know, we had a we had a we had a shooter um, as a senior uh, Hugo Bergstrom. And he was, he was pretty good at playing off of, uh, Andre. Um, and then, you know, uh, Dresa, uh, Friday, who's going to St. John's, he was very, 
good last year at playing those block to block and just really athletic, really bouncy. And then you know, if you had Zeb coming off a screen and roll, it was it was um you know that was hard to guard. It was really hard to guard. Um and 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 uh, we used that to the best of our ability. And you know that was just something where I've I've learned that you have to play to your player's strength. Don't try to make your players play to your strength. You know, as a coach, you just have to become as versatile as possible. Um, you know, last year wasn't our wasn't our greatest defensive team. We're usually really good defensively, um, but we were really really good offensively last year. So um, that that in itself, you know, we, we always preach defense, um, but uh, at the same time, the the way we played offense last year, it was like, all right, now you know, instead of winning games, you know, you know, sixty or seventy something to forty something, you know, let's try to win these ninety to sixty. Mm. And that's that's what we were doing last year, and um, uh, you know it, it it worked out. It worked out, you know, uh, twenty two and three. So that's that's that was that was pretty. Uh, I guess we we were lucky, or you know, I would love to say it was all coaching, but it was not. Yeah, I think that's the biggest philosophy to play on the strengths of the the kids that you have, because a lot of people they just try to you know, just try to figure out like, no, this is how we're going to play. And that's it. And it's like, but that's not what he does. Like if you have a big that can shoot, why wouldn't you use that? Right. Why would you put him on the block and then make him do something that's un- uncomfortable? So that's definitely a, mm-hmm. a good philosophy to put. But um, just in terms of your mentors, if you can, I just want to get the opportunity for you to just uh, shout them out, list them who they are, what they've done for your career. And how do you think they've shaped the way you've helped people after you? Mm. Um. My uh, my first coach of my basketball life uh, was a was a guy named Mike Jackson from Westbury, and I learned so much about the passion of basketball from him. He loves he loves Westbury to this day like nothing else. He gave me my first shot at playing the game, um, you know, uh, and 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 he he would pick me up. In, in a van that fit, you know, that's supposed to fit 12 guys and there'd be 20 of us going because we had a, a you know, maybe a, a fifth grade game uh, after our fourth grade game. And, you know, like it was, and, and we all loved it, man. We all loved it. It'd be a full Saturday. And it's just the passion that he has for the, for, for the kids. It really like, it, it, it was really something special. And, and um, I got my passion from him. So um, I have I I wouldn't even be in basketball if it wasn't wasn't for Mike the way like he made the game you know it, it, we just we wouldn't we, we didn't want to lose I remember this we um in sixth grade no I was in seventh grade actually we lost our first game ever in seventh grade and I was playing with Mike since I was in third grade so we lost our first game ever in seventh grade and. Um, Mike was talking to us in, in the van and he just started crying because he was so passionate about, you know, how we didn't play well. And he knew that was the first game we lost, um, ever. It was really like ever. I I can't remember. Maybe, maybe somebody will remember a loss, uh, before that, but I can't remember a loss where, um, our bunky routine went somewhere and just like lost a tournament, lost anything. And I remember the game that we lost. Uh, it was against St. Bernard's. How crazy is that? I remember the game. It was against St. Bernard's. Wow. And um, we, we lost the game, and Mike was crying in there. And I just – I took that with me. Like, you know, 
and I, I'm going to play and coach this game exactly how this guy is. So he, I, I he's definitely the first mentor of of my uh, of my basketball life. Um, my my second mentor, and they all taught me different things. Like the the second mentor that 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 really taught me like how cerebral you have to be in basketball. And this came um, well actually before I mentioned that. Uh, my second mentor actually was um, coaching at Westbury. He was one of the assistant coaches, and uh, Reggie Warren. He taught me how uh, really to be uh, cool during the games. He taught me how to really be cool during the games. Like, you know, he wasn't a guy that would like scream and 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 like publicly, you know, uh, lambast guys like that. Only if you had to. And when he did, though, everybody like they poke they poked their head up because they knew that he doesn't do it often. So I've taken that strategy really from, from him. And, you know, he, he definitely was a, was a mentor in my life. He, he um, would pick me up for, you know, how I was a water boy. He would pick me up every Saturday morning to go to practice. He'd buy me a bacon, egg and cheese at the deli and we'd go to practice every Saturday. It w- without fail. He would stop by my, my parents' house, pick me up, take me to um, practice. I mean, take me to get a sandwich first and then take me to practice at, at uh, 9 a.m. And, um, you know, it was just that, that type of, um, you know, that, that type of responsibility that, that I really loved. And then that type of coolness is what I really loved, too, from him. It was, it was really good to, to, to have. Um, third mentor I, I have, and I have four, so <laughs> uh, it took me a while to think of it. But the third mentor I had was um, uh, Bob Hurley. Bob Hurley from now the defunct St. Anthony's, you know, I I mentioned before how blessed I was just to have, you know, uh, uh, to have the experiences that I've had. But, you know, one of the biggest experiences that, that, that I really enjoyed having was playing St. Anthony's from Jersey City every year, every single year playing them. And he would, he would come to Lujai, we'd go to Jersey City and, um, you know, one time we played them and it's one of the better teams that we've had. And he had a team that was the number one team in the country. And so I'm thinking, you know, this is one of the better teams that we've had. So we're going to go and we're going to go in there and compete. Uh, I mean, it was, <laughs> I think we were up five to four or something like that in the game. And, and, and uh, halftime, it was like 38 to 11 or something. You know, the way he played defense and coached defense was, was crazy. But the best thing I loved about Coach Hurley was, you know, before the game, you know, he would not, you know, try to act like, hey, I'm, I'm Nate Smith Hall, Hall of Famer Bob Hurley. No, he would come over and speak with um, our staff and speak with, uh, you know, and just like anything that we asked, he would answer. And, you know, of course, me, I had question upon question upon question. You know, uh, because why? Why wouldn't you ask the question of that uh, of a guy that had over a thousand wins in high school, and you know, a, a high school coach that's in the Naismith Hall of Fame? Like, why wouldn't you ask questions about that? Um, and and um, so he was he was a uh, a really good mentor without even knowing it to me. Um, he was a really good mentor. And, and finally, um, uh, uh, this one is probably out of left field. But I've definitely grown close with him over the years. Is uh, Tom Pacor used to coach at Fordham at Hostra, uh, now assistant at uh, Quinnipiac, um, and um, Tom Pacor was like he he was like Jay Wright's right hand guy, and um, 
one one thing that I really enjoy having from uh, what I enjoy learning from from uh, Coach Pacora was that presence you need to have. You know, you you need to have a presence as a coach, and that's not like a you know not a not a cocky presence per se, but just a presence where like you know your players know when you're when you walk in, you know you're there. Like when you walk in the room, coach is there, and and um and, and it's and it's something that you know, you, you have, and you develop over the years. And, um, you know, coach Bacora definitely taught me that like, he's, he, he's, uh, he, he's definitely one of the best guys that, that, uh, that, that are in this profession. And, um, you know, like he invited me up to Quinnipiac to come see the campus, just me by myself. And, you know, he spent the whole day with me, went out to lunch. Like he's, he's, a, he's an incredible guy. Um, and, and, uh, I'm grateful to know him. So, you know, those, those, those four, I'm sorry, took too long, but I couldn't help it. You know, I had to explain why with all those guys. They're really inspirational to me. No, I don't think you could take all the time in your world because, I, listen, I don't want you to get in trouble. You you meet, miss somebody out there, go listen to this, like, yo, what, what was my shout out, man? You know, so <laughs> I'm just happy that you got that all out there, that that was prepared. But how have they all, in its totality, and just your experiences just being around the circuit, around the game this whole time, how do you think it shaped the way you've helped people after you now that they're trying to get into coaching and they're young and, you know, see, you see a lot of potential in them. What kind of advice do you give them? Yeah. Well, the, the first advice is um, never be too emotional when you coach. And that's the one thing that I've, I've learned throughout this whole thing. It's like you you're never to be too emotional when you coach. That was, that was the one thing that, um, you know, as a young coach, I, I got into the, into the coaching game at 24. Um, so at 24, you know, I, I'm thinking like, you got to have energy. You have to pump the kids up. They always have to be like this. They always have to be like this. So, you know, I was, I was, I was that guy that was just, you know, trying to, um, really pump our kids up and not, I, and again, like, as I learned from, from coach Warren, you know, you can't be like too high on, on, and, and then because when bad things happen, then the opposite effect is you're too low. So um, you have to stay in a consistent area. You know, not saying that you can't be, a, you know, a coach with emotion, but you can't be emotional when you coach. So that's the one thing I see from, from younger coaches than me even. And I would like to think I'm still young in the game at 36. But, um, you, know, uh, you know, 12 years in, 12 years in, that's the one thing that I've, that I've learned. Um, and, and, uh, and I learned it and, and coach Buck and I both learned it on, at the same time. We learned it the hard way a couple of times, you know, uh, we, we, uh, we coached, um, so many games and so many, so many big games against like big time opponents. And, and like, we, we'd be up early and then all of a sudden they'd come back and beat us. And, and like, you have to take inventory of yourself sometimes. And you have to figure out why is that happening to our team? Um, you know, we it, it would happen uh, earlier earlier in our career. You know, these things would happen to. Um, you know, we we played uh, a, a team, uh, St. Peter's Prep in Philadelphia. It happened it happened then. It happened um, a few times when we used to play Christ the King. It used to always be a great game, and they would just you know come back and beat us. We'd be up early like normal. And then they would come back and beat us, and, and um, you know, it, and it was just part of that is 
our fault. You know, we, we weren't prepared emotionally. And that's the one thing I would tell younger, younger coaches is you got to try to prepare yourself as emotionally as possible, you know, because in big time games, kids are going to be emotional. Like the kids are, no matter how good the kid is, he's going to feel a little anxiety. He's going to be a little emotional about it. And, um, you know, but, but it's up to you as a coach to settle everybody's emotions in, settle everybody's emotions in and get them playing basketball the way they've always played the game. You know, how fun it was, you know, that's how you play the game and that's how you want your kids to play. Um, you know, I, and that's it. That's really it. What I would tell those coaches. And that's such good advice, man. You make me want, no, I'm just kidding. I don't ever want to coach basketball, but <laughs> this is the rant and I want to put you on notice. And I think about all them times, man, when I call it, when y'all call it timeout, then you got to ask me a question. I'm like, this guy, man, like you, you playing like, well, why, why you got it? Why, why, why? So, you know, having said that, um, what is your perception this whole time playing basketball, coaching uh, of officials? Um, Officials have a tough job. I mean, they, they really have a, they have a, a difficult job. And um, it's, it's way more difficult to, to officiate a men's league than, than, uh, than a, a league of um, either middle school or high school kids. But, um, you know, it, when you're officiating like high school and college kids, um, you know, my, my perception is that, you know, the, the officials can't really see everything. And I and I accept that going in. I accept that going in. I, I I know that officials can't really see anything. They make they they make mistakes. Just like you know, we may not make the right call. I may not call the right play. They may be in the zone, and I'm calling a man play. You know that that may happen from time to time. You know it's happened to every single coach out there. Uh, no no coach can say, hey, I've called every single perfect play that there ever was to call. Um, so. You know those, or, or made every single great adjustment that I that that I I can ever make. You know, but but that's that's just really it with with my perception about officials. Is you know officials they're there to do a job. Um, they they do the best job they could possibly do. You know, and and um, but but I also go into it knowing that you know they they don't they they can't possibly see everything. You know that even that you see, you're only watching one team. They're watching both teams most of the time. So um, that's, that's just really it. The, the officiating is nothing, you know, not, nothing, nothing that I would do. Um, I, I, I don't know how I would handle all this, uh, all the criticism that officials take, but, um, you know, the, the officials definitely have a tough job. So that's not breaking news, right? You would never officiate yourself, right? Absolutely not. <laughs> <laughs> Although I think I'm not bad. I don't think I'm bad. I really don't. I don't think I'm bad. I um, yeah. I I I don't think I'm I'm bad in terms of like, you know, the officials. I, I don't I don't really ride the officials like that. I don't. You know, because what are they going to do? Change the call? Yeah. Like that's what I always say. But I'm I'm more of a, you know, let let me talk to you, you know, after the play. Uh, and during the play, the only time that I really uh, officials and uh, can can get under my skin a bit is when I know that they know that they made a mistake, but they just will not admit to it. And that's the one thing that I that, that right. gets under my skin the most. I'm like, listen, we all can make mistakes. Like I can I can make a mistake and I and, and that'll be fine. But like, if you made a mistake, just tell me. Like, just say, look, I made I made a mistake. You know, I was the wrong call. It really wasn't a travel. That was. You know, he he really went off with two feet. All right, that's fine. 
I can handle that. Right. I cannot handle he really travels. <laughs> you know he didn't travel. <laughs> I can't handle that. I, I'm sorry. Maybe I need to grow more. Yeah. But I can't handle that. Yeah. I can't. Well, you also know that there's different levels to this officiating game. So I, I feel as though like when they meet when they meet Coach Corbin and, and you're saying that, it's like, oh man, this guy knows his stuff. Like it, it's a jarring experience, especially when you're first starting, right? So, you know, I get mm-hmm. that I get that on that end too. Um, just from the whole time that you've been playing and coaching all this time, um, how much do you think basketball has changed um, from the 2000s all the way till now? Because, you know, I was looking at Andre, right? And I remember there was a game that I did. It was Baldwin versus Northport. I think you were right after that. I'm watching this kid, and I'm like, my God, I, I don't even know how I would begin to defend this guy because he's doing, like, alien moves. Like, imagine us going back to our time <laughs> and doing all his moves. Like, the, the officials would call yeah. travel the whole time. So how much do you think basketball has changed from when you played to to the way you, the game is being played at at this level um, as you're watching it as a coach? Man, it you know the um you know what, the biggest change in, in basketball you know from 2000s where uh, you know like growing up in the 2000s was you know you had Shaquille O'Neal that was like the dominant player of the of, of the 2000s and you know, you had Tim Duncan and Kevin Garnett. These are all, like, dominant players that all won the MVP before. So, like, those those are what you saw. That's what you saw in 2000. And then, you know, you would, um, you know, you would you would supplement that with those big-time wings, you know, the Vince Carters, the Tracy McGrady's, the Kobe Bryant. You know, you would, you, would, uh, sub, you, would, you would supplement that, like, with those guys. And then you started seeing it. You started seeing the, the change really come – um, when when um, when LeBron was was drafted, and uh, LeBron and Carmelo and Dwayne Wade in the league, and you know then then things really started changing, and you had like really big wings now. You know Kobe at six six, and Athletic was was a big wing, but then LeBron and Carmelo at six eight, and can do all of that was was equally incredible, um, if not more. And then it changed again, <laughs> you know, um, when um, guys like uh, uh, James Harden and Stephen Curry and Clay Thompson and Kevin Durant on, and, you know, those guys are in their prime right now. Um, they, they came to lead because it became more shooting, you know, than, than all that. Like, you know, when LeBron and, and Carmelo came in the league, it was like, okay, the big men are not the ones that are really banging, you know, down, down low on the block. Um, as as much as these guys can, these guys can do it all, right? Um, and then like it quickly became, um, and then it quickly went to shooting with uh, James Harden, Stephen Curry, like I said, with those guys. And it's it's been it's been so fun to watch the footwork with these guys. It, it's it's so it's so incredible because of how they can you know do their how how they can do footwork at an even greater level than what it was in, in 2000. Um, you know, the side to side footwork, you know, it's hard for refs to, to see whether that's a real travel or not. The Euro step, like, you know, these are all things that ha- that weren't around. They weren't really around when um, I was playing. It really wasn't around, you know, um, the best footwork I, I saw when I was playing was, you know, Michael Jordan, obviously, and, and Kobe Bryant, like that was footwork. Um, and then you had, you know, Allen Iverson with footwork. He had footwork with the ball. So it was, it was really, um, 
you know, you, you had, you had the pick, but like now these guys, uh, I mean, their, their footwork is not in the post. Their footwork is sizing you up and sidestep threes or sizing you up, step back, hesitate and go like they're, these guys footwork are, uh, it's an, it's an incredible thing to watch. So the game has absolutely changed, but I think it's changed for the better. And like you said, watching Andre, like, man, it, you know, defending Andre, uh, when I, when I, when I was growing up would be to like, you know, hold <laughs> and, yep. and, and grab him yep. and, and make sure that he, he doesn't really, uh, that he can't really get anywhere because, you know, I was, I always joke with Andre. I was faster than Andre in high school, but you know, just being able to 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 stay with him on 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 all these moves, it would be, it would it would be, it would be crazy. Yeah, it, it would be crazy. It yeah. would be it would be super tough. And I think what's sad about our era is that if I like went back to the future, right? Like I was like, all right, so I see Andre play. Like let's go let's go back to our era and try all that. The refs would call a walk every time because they'd be like, I don't, I've never oh, yeah. seen that. So it wouldn't even work. But it's, it's really awesome to see that evolution, to see players like Andre that could, uh, that could do those things. Um, you know, especially like with the advent of the way things are now, you know, obviously social media is a big thing and, you know, kids have such divided attention spans now. What do you think are the challenges of today's kids just coaching from when you first started to now? Um, social media has changed everything, man. It really has. Um, our, our social media, um, our social media life, it can be, it can be addictive. It can be addictive. It can be, um, it, it can definitely hurt you, you know, um, so social, so social media can definitely hurt you. And, um, it, it it's definitely something that you, as, as a, as a kid, you have to really be careful of how much time you're putting into it and, and what you're actually consuming. Um, you, you know, we, we are living in a world where everybody is living in, you know, their own different silos and they want to get their information from their personal silo. And, you know, sometimes that's not the greatest place to give it. And, um, you know, the, I always use the, the example of a newspaper, you know, what, the difference between, you know, um, people that read that they used to read newspaper and people that are on social media is that you had to read the whole newspaper. You got good news and bad news. You got news that you didn't want to hear. You got news that you wanted to hear um, versus just being on Twitter and following everybody that you like to follow. You know, um, maybe you, you follow Skip Bayless because he hates LeBron James. So you're going to follow all the LeBron haters. You know, um, and I don't mean he hates him personally, but he, he hates his game. Right. Um, and so, so you'll follow all the LeBron haters, you know, versus um, reading, you know, versus versus reading a, a magazine or a newspaper where you get, you know, different perspectives from different writers. And and um, so social media has definitely been, um, for, for me, especially with younger kids, it does more harm than good. And, uh, and, and one of the other examples I always use is uh, Jimmy Butler. Jimmy Butler didn't just get good overnight. Like Jimmy Butler, um, there was one summer, and I might be quoting the story wrong, but uh, I, I definitely remember he went to a remote area and no, no cell phone. There was no social media from Jimmy Butler. He didn't care about any of that stuff. He worked on his game the entire summer doing it. He, he worked on his game the entire summer just doing this, um, you know, just trying to get better at his game. And, um, 
and you see the fruits of the labor right there. You see the fruits of, of, of his labor um, right there. And that was, that was prime example of someone that, that just wanted to get better. And he got better and he used, he did not use social media as a, a, a way to, to um, you know, get him better. Because that's most players. It's like, don't use social media to get you better, guys. Like, <laughs> you know, if, you want, if you're going to get better, you're going to get better if you just put that phone down and you work on your game all summer long. Because the same people that say all this good stuff about you, they're going to say bad stuff about oh, you. Oh, yeah. Same people. Same exact people. Um, so, you know, never buy into those press clippings. You know, everybody's just in for the, for the best story. And the best story may may be your downfall, unfortunately. You know, yeah. that might be the best story. So, um, you know, for, for, for our kids, you know, um, for a while, uh, our kids would, uh, would turn their social media off for the, for the season. Um, you know, and, and, uh, they did it last year. They turned, they, 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 they turned their social media off. It kept them very focused, very streamlined. Um, and, and, uh, we had that rule. That rule was in effect. Uh, it started out actually as a rule, you know, and I, I, it was a rule that I got from, um, believe it or not, from football, uh, from Florida State. Uh, our former coach, Jimbo Fisher, used to do that. He used to tell the kids that they had to turn their social media off. And um, and then that gra- – I, I, it might be mixed up the times, but I think it gravitated to the NBA when LeBron started doing that. And LeBron would go into, I guess, playoff mode, and he would turn his social media off. And, um, you know, and, and so we started doing that with our kids. And, um, and, and, uh, you know, our kids, after a while, we didn't even say anything. So our, our kids would be like, oh, so is, is social media off? And they're like, oh, 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 yeah, yeah, social media is off. And then our kids would just turn their phones off, um, turn their social media off, not really their phones, they turn their social media off. Um, and it, it, it worked. Our kids were more, I think our kids, since we've done it, our kids were more focused, more focused. And they, they just, bought into the hard work that it takes to play the game. Mm. Yeah, that's really awesome that they buy into that. But, you know, just talking about that Jimmy Butler, man, I, I couldn't stop thinking about this this young man that plays on your team, Ryan Dunn, man. I've just had the pleasure to watch him work out, man. That kid is a dog. I mean, he, he has the work ethic. Obviously, his brother uh, plays professionally baseball, but... Man, I, you you can attest that he's he's the I mean he he has market improvement from from last year. If you and I don't know if you've seen him in a while, but man, that kid works. So yeah, uh, Ryan Dunn is a very interesting uh, story. Uh, first of all, that's that's one of my favorite people um, in on, on this on this earth. He is a great kid. I mean, like you ask. You you ask Ryan, hey Ryan, I need you to to run through this brick wall, and he's doing it without asking questions why. You know he is that great of a kid. He comes from a great family. Um, obviously, his brother Justin is a uh, starting pitcher for the Seattle Seattle Mariners, and um, you know uh, just Justin and, and you can tell quickly Justin uh, has has uh, either rubbed off on Ryan in terms of how uh, you know how much of a dog he is because. Justin don't back down from anything either, you know. Um, and and I know he's gonna kill me if he hears this. He tells this story. Him and I were uh, I was I was talking trash to Justin about hitting his fastball. Oh, and uh, so him and I him and I went to the went to the cage, and um, 
Justin was uh was throwing um <laughs> he was throwing he was throwing he was throwing uh, I would like to say I I made I made contact three times I would like to say it was nice. good contact <laughs> but it was contact and uh, I would never let him live it down but um you know uh, Ryan is he's an incredible kid I mean when I met him he was about six two he was about six two skinny kid um. You know, really, really loved the game I saw. Um, his dad brought him into the gym. Um, you know, one of the most humble things. Actually, before I even say that, the story goes like this, and this is how this is how my, my teammates always are. I had a teammate that saw him at Lifetime Fitness working out, and Ryan went to Oak Hill two years ago. And um, I saw my, my teammate saw him working out and was like, oh, what's, what's your name, you know? And got his information, and he passed it to me. Um, the, and he was like, you know, "He's like, listen, he's like, he's like, bro, I, you know, I don't do this often, but this kid, I think he has something, right? Um, and I'll, I'll never let, uh, I'll, I'll never let that story go without giving props to to my teammate Brandon, Brandon Wilson. And um, so, so he, um, you know, Ryan and, and I, we hooked up, and his dad brought him to the gym. And, you know, I worked him out the first day. I remember working him out the first day. And, you know, at 6'2", I'm like, mm, okay, this, this, this kid may, um, you know, he may have, he may have a little something. Mm. I, I, I see something, you know. Um, and, and uh, you know, his dad was very honest. His dad was like, look, I know if he comes to Lujah, like I know what kind of program you guys have. He's like, I'm not expecting to promise me anything. Uh, he's like, honestly, I'm expecting him to learn the first year and um, just learn what it is to be like on this on this team and if he's fortunate enough to make the team. You know, and that's what he was saying to me. He knew that nothing was promised. And that in itself, and this is just like a disclaimer for anybody that's a parent, right. that is like the best thing to tell a yeah. coach. Yeah. Is just like, I trust you. I trust you that you're going to put my son in the best position possible mm. because I don't get, I don't, I don't get paid more to sit somebody's son. Right. You know, and that's what I always say. I don't get paid more to sit somebody's son. So like, I'm trying, I'm trying to win. Right. So, um, you know, last year came, Ryan was working his butt off. I mean, like every day in practice, he would work his butt off this. And, and, and even, um, you know, to the point where like we started, you know, putting him into some games, like not like up thirty, put him into some games. Like put him into some some big time games. Um, and and uh, you know we he got his feet wet, and um, you know you could just see the passion ooze from this kid's pores. You could just see it, and he he loved uh, he loved his teammates. His teammates loved him, and um, you know now he he grew. It helps that he grew another like four inches. And he has a seven foot wingspan, so he's putting the ball between his legs now. So that changes the game, you know. That changes the game, right. and, and um, you know him loving him loving the sport the way he does. You know, sky's the limit, and yeah. you know he just has to continue to work. Um, it's so interesting. I was on the phone with his dad today, and I was just you know I was saying like Ryan just has to continue to work with that chip on his shoulder, the chip that that you know where where everyone was saying that he couldn't play at Oak Hill. He couldn't play at high. Like that's the that's the chip that he has to work on because you know um, the, those same those same um, you know those, those same naysayers that he that he wants to prove wrong that that could that could definitely propel him. You know, 
Um, some of those people were, were asking me if he could play at Lujas, you know, and, um, you know, I, I, I love, I love seeing a kid's passion. I really do. You know, I would love to say that I was, uh, uh, that I, I was the, the first to, to, to see him, but that, that actually goes to my teammate. He was the first to see him. I was just the first one staff to see him. Wow. All goes full circle, man. And I'll just say just really quickly, man, first of all, shout out to Ryan and, and his family and Justin, of course, um, that's crazy that you that he pitched to you like no thank you I have I have no interest of ever seeing that in real life and I'm pretty sure you didn't hit it like Aaron Judge and you know just I'll, I'll say I won't mention who it was but I, there was a couple of pro people that were um that were, were training with him he was working he was outworking them and I want to say like doubly as hard I mean the kid was hungry I wouldn't be surprised if he makes it all the way to the league that's that's how strongly I feel about just observing him you know and as a referee like uh, some people say that they want it. But man, that kid wants it. So you know, best of luck with him. But you know, back to you. After everything you said, after um, all of this, what what do you think of the attributes? What do you think it took to get to where you were at this moment in time as a basketball player and as a coach? Um, I think what I, I like for me, I just really always put my head down and and work. I mean, I never really worried about the um, I never really worried about the next move like that. That was that was really it. Like I never worried. I never uh, was in college saying, okay, and maybe I maybe I should have done that more. You know, if I wanted to to coach uh, in college or something like that, maybe I should have done that more. But I never was a guy that was like, okay, I'm gonna do this to get here, and then do that to get here. Um, because you know, as I'm coaching, you know, now going on twelve twelve years now, I think yeah, going on twelve years, and we were coming up on our twelfth year. Um, you know, as, as I'm coaching here, it's just, I don't think it ever does a kid's service if you're looking for the next move. I think, it, you know, you do the best job you could possibly do where you're at and let the chips fall where they may. You know, if somebody believes in you strongly enough that you should do something else, then, um, you know, that, that, that's just a, another conversation for another day. But um, for me, it was always put your head down, do the best job you could possibly do on that given day. And that's, that's what has really gotten me, um, you know, and, and really our team and our, and our program, you know, to, to the heights that I don't think, you know, anybody was really expecting, you know, I don't, I don't think, you know, when we, we took over in 2009, I don't think anybody was really expecting Luhai to be a perennial top 10 ESPN basketball team playing on, playing on ESPN. I don't think that was in the cards at all. We were eight. We were a class A team that, you know, was was routinely losing by 20, 20 30 points um, to some of the better teams out there. But um, yeah, I, I just me me personally, I just put your head down, do the best job that you can possibly do, and that takes love and passion of the game because sometimes it's going to get frustrating. Sometimes it will. Sometimes you'll lose games that you have no business losing. And um, sometimes you'll be in practices. Sometimes you'll be in practices where you got where the guys aren't um, fully uh, fully invested with their energy, and you have to do what you have to bring it out of them. And that's 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 uh, that's every coach, you know. Not every not every game is a uh, you know performance that you would love to have from people. You know that that's not that's not what it is. The best type of coaching uh, that you could possibly do is when. You know, you don't have a great performance, and how do you come back from that? Mm. And there's challenges in all of it. So, 
um, yeah, just put your head down and work. That's that's my that's my main advice. What do you think it's going to take to get to where you want to go, and ultimately, where do you want to go as a basketball coach? Um, you know, like I, like I said before, I just you know put it, you know, put I I I don't want to sound redundant, but I'm I'm serious. Like putting your putting your head down and working mm-hmm. is like the, the the best medicine to get anywhere where you want to go. I mean, um, you know, of of course, at at some point. You know, I, I want to test my, myself with my own program. Um, but, you know, that's, if that comes, it comes. If it doesn't, I am fine if it doesn't. I really am, you know, because my, um, my, my life has been blessed. My life has been blessed uh, coaching at Lujan. Uh I, I can also say I can end my career as an undefeated varsity coach. You know, Coach Buck, uh, he he, had, he didn't. He, I, I, he missed one game because for the birth of his baby, and I won that game <laughs> as the head coach. So I'm undefeated right now. No one can change that. <laughs> but um, you know, uh, no, I, you know, if it, if 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 an opportunity comes, and it it, it will come, and you know, I, I always have have faith, and if it's right, it's right. But if it never ever comes, I'm okay with that too yeah. because I've um. You know, I, I've, uh, the game of basketball has taken me around. It's really taken me around the world. I mean, we've, we, I never thought coaching, I would coach a game, a high school basketball game in the state of Hawaii. And we did that this year. Um, you know, I'm in the state of Hawaii and I'm playing basketball. Like I'm coaching basketball. Like I'm not there for a, a family vacation where I had to pay $10,000 for like I'm coaching <laughs> basketball. Right. And I had a chance, and I and I had a chance to to, to bring my fiance and my uh, and my son, and we were at, we were in Hawaii, and like that that was just that was incredible. Those things are incredible. Yeah, you know, like do you do you ever get a chance to you know to to play against like some top top guys? Like that's like the most incredible thing that I've you know that I've seen. Like watching the draft this year, I was just smiling uh, from ear to ear. Because not only like you know we played um, all these incredible players, Anthony Edwards and Cole Anthony, like we played all those players. Mm. The the most incredible part about all of that is that we were undefeated against all those guys in the draft. Wow! In the first round, and that was the most incredible stat. Like we were undefeated against all the players that got drafted in the first round. That's crazy of the NBA draft this year. Wow! And it was you know, and those were incredible guys. I mean, I've I rarely, you know, see performances uh, that I've seen in like a fourth quarter than what Cole Anthony did against my uh, our team. Our team was in it. like it was, it was a, like he he was going into the fourth quarter. We were like, oh man, we did a really good job on him. You know, we get the stat sheet. We're like, oh, we did a really good job on him. You know, he ends up with thirty five points, and right. you're like, well, you're like, well, how did he? How did he do that? But it was just you know that you know it's just a testament to how. How, how good of a basketball player he was. So, um, you know, I, that, those are the things that I, that, that, I, that I feel, you know, mostly that will help propel me is, you know, really just putting your head down and working. Yeah, yeah. Um, if you can, describe the most stickiest situation that you've ever had as a basketball player and what is the most stickiest situation that you've ever had thus far as a basketball coach? Uh, you said sticky? Yeah. Hmm. Don't get too controversial uh, now. Don't get too controversial. You know, like three fouls in one minute. I don't anything. 
<laughs> as a player, I don't. Oh man, what's a, what's a sticky situation? I'm trying to think. Um, well, I, I will. I will say this: the uh, uh, as a player, we didn't. I didn't really have too many sticky situations. Um, I, I guess like the only um, situation that wasn't that, that really wasn't great was uh, you know we played a game against uh, I think it was Poly Prep. Uh, Poly Prep, my my senior year might have been, and it was a they they had a they had a six four long haired center that would not shut up like he talked so much it was unbelievable but this but this dude had so much passion he had so much passion on him like he wasn't he wasn't even very good at that moment and he talked but he talked so much it, it was getting all of us aggravated and I still remember it to this day um and even and even when uh coach coach Buzz dunked on him and it was it was the funniest thing. He dunked on him, and uh, this dude still would not shut his mouth even after the game. That's what made it sticky. That after the game, he was still talking. And um, the reason why I bring that up is that that six four center ended up being six ten, and winning two national championships at Florida. His name was Joe Kim Noah. Oh boy, I've heard and, of him. Uh, <laughs> and uh, he would not be quiet though. I mean, it was just. And like, it, it, even with Coach Buck dunked on him, it was like, all right, now, now you should be quiet, right? No, uh, uh-uh. uh. But it was just a testament to to how, uh, you know, how how much passion he had for the game. But at the same time, you know, as a coach, I'm like, you know, I'm, I'm you know, looking back at it, I'm like, listen, this kid should shut up, like <laughs> he should. <laughs> um, as as a uh, as a coach. I mean, listen. There's the, the stickiest situation was absolutely the, um, you know, we had a uh, timeout debacle uh, in 2018 at the uh, in the semifinal game of um, of I was uh, Glenn's fault, yeah, and uh, it was against Stepanak. It was actually one of the best games I've I've coached because of the high the high level of play that was on that floor that game was incredible i think i mean i i mean i might be i'm i might be either understating it but i think they might have had five or six division one players we had five or six division one players um it was one of those semifinal games where you knew like you know the the winner of that game definitely had the the shot of winning um the whole thing and and um you know so it was one of those games where you're like all right this the winner of this game was you know really the team to beat and um Long story short, we called, um, we had five timeouts. We've called four and, um, we called our last timeout, but the, the impartial official that was doing the book thought that we called the timeout in the, in the first quarter, but it was actually Stepanak that called it in the first quarter and they, uh, ended up giving them the, uh, the, they, they called the technical foul on us and they got, we were, we were tied. We were tied. So, you know, they called a technical foul on us. We had the ball. They called a technical foul on us. They got two shots, made both shots. I think it was uh, might even been R.J. Davis that made both shots. They got the ball back. 
and we had to foul again because now there's like less than 10 seconds left on the clock. And, um, you know, they made uh, two more free throws. So um, that, that, that if you, if you want to point to one thing, that was a sticky situation, that was it. Mm-hmm. But it was a gift and a curse because our team was fueled that next year, the whole year for that. That, that was like it. You know, we, the next day, it was, it was really bad. Like next day, you know, um, we protested the call. We were trying to get them to replay the, the it was like seven or eight seconds, 8.3, I think was the, was the, the, the actual time left. Um, and we tried to get them to replay it. They just said, you know, sorry, but um, this is, this, <laughs> this is it. You know, this is the, the final ruling. We don't have, we, we don't have replay rules in New York. In which I understand because not every game is televised. Right. But um, they were like, yeah, we don't have replay rules in New York, and we're sorry. So, you know, it was it was tough because our our kids, our seniors, lost. You know, they were perceived to to lose that game, and that was their last game. And you know, it, you know, it wasn't it wasn't their fault. So, um, it was tough on all sides. I mean, I I don't know how 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 would you handle it, even as you know, Stepanak's coach, would you? Would you say, hey, you know, our our seniors they 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 play too, so right, you know, right. It, it was it was tough. Yeah, you know that was that was definitely like one of the stickiest situations that I've been I've been a part of. Um, and I wish it was different, but that's just how it happened. And you know, maybe if we didn't have that situation, maybe we wouldn't have won the the, the title the next year because we were we were so fueled. I'm telling you, like that it was it was almost like. Remember when uh, it was almost like when LeBron James lost that uh, when when he lost that the the NBA Finals the first time. Oh yeah, when he was on the Heat, and the 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 amount of fuel he had for that next year when he played Kevin Durant and the Thunder for the mm-hmm. first time, yeah. it was it it was it was incredible. And that's how that's kind of like how our team was. Yeah, like their mentality was like that. So, um, you know, it was it was it was like that. So. That was probably the two stickiest situations that I've been in as a player and a coach. So I couldn't give you anything. No, crazy, no, but, that's um, you know, that that's thanks, real. Thanks. Yeah, Coach Masseroni. Yeah. Co- coach Masseroni was on the show, and he, you know, he. It is what it is, right? It is what it is. Like he's not a ref. He, yeah. I mean, it, it, it's unfortunately it was like that. But I mean, somebody's got to win. Somebody's got to lose. And I'll do you one better. I think it was even closer to when the Spurs lost the first time to the Heat, and then they came back with the Avengers. And I remember when. When Tim Duncan, he got interviewed um, in that 2014 run in the championship, he was like, so what, what do you think about last year? You know, when Ray Allen hit the shot in the corner and then they ended up winning in game seven, he was like, well, it, it made it okay. It made everything okay. And that's what that whole mm-hmm. Lou High season reminded me of, that year when you guys won 2019. I mean, I, mm-hmm. the, the only sad thing was probably that you didn't play Stepanak in the championship game because you probably won right. it. But you, I mean, there was, it, just if you watched any of those games, especially like during the, and Glenn Falls, you weren't going to lose. Like, <laughs> It was it was bound well, to happen. And you know you know what's so funny about that was that, you know, the thing that happened with Stepanak the year before, um, you know, that was one way of saying, Hey, you know, we want to play Stepanak, but as as coaches, like, you know, uh Christ the King would always get us. So like them them uh you know, them winning it wasn't like it was it was chopped liver either, right. you know, like it was that was that was like, you know, these these are two really, really good programs that, you know, we, we need to, uh, you know, we need to beat really to, 
um, in, in our minds, we're like, yo, we, we, we need to beat them. You know, that's, it's, it's time. That's what we were saying. Like, we're, we're top 10, and it's time to beat them and show them, you know, what it is. Just like if you're in any other, you're in any other state that has great programs, you know, like if you're, if you're in Georgia, you're like, look, I, I have to beat Wheeler. I have to beat like that, those top teams like that. And um, those, those will solidify who we are. And, you know, we did. And, you know, and then last year we, we were, we were um, uh, COVID uh, away from, you know, repeating. So, and, and uh, that's, that's, you know, unfortunate, but you know, it, it, it is what it is, right? Yeah. Yeah. Same exact thing. I, nobody, nobody won. Uh, COVID, like I told you, COVID, COVID-19 is going to win the Super Bowl this year. Just like I said, <laughs> um, uh, what do you think is your best moment as a player? And what do you think is your best moment um, as a basketball coach? Um, my best moment as a player, uh, my best moment as a player. Oh, this is, this is bar none actually bar none. It was my, um, my senior year. I, uh, I came back and we played Westbury at Westbury my senior year. Uh, we won the game by about 30 points, but, um, I, I think I had 18 or 20 points that game and I did not miss a shot. And I remember that vividly that I did not miss a shot. There were like not one shot. And, um, it was like, it was, it, it was like an outer body experience because I played in that Westbury gym for so long. And I, and I knew the court, I knew where those, the, the, you know, how, how the gym smelled, how the locker room smelled. Like I knew everything about that school, you know, just like, I knew what the opposing locker room smelled like. It was just, it, it was, it was such an out of body experience right there. I, um, I, 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 I like, I enjoyed every minute of that. You know, it's actually still giving me goosebumps thinking about how that game went. And, um, that was, that was like, that was like one of the most incredible things I've, I've, uh, I've been, I, I played at and it was, it was good. Um, as a, as a coach, there, I, we, I've been I've been fortunate. I really have to have some incredible moments to pick from. Um, you know, you know, winning winning that winning that double A federation title the first time uh, was was something incredible. Um, that in 2019, winning winning that federation title was something special because of the mission that we were on. Essentially, you know, the, the, the mission that we were on was, was, was incredible. But, um, then, you know, I also think about when we won our, um, we won the title in 2012 and we pretty much, we, we, it was, it was pretty much a buzzer beater. We won it on, um, you know, that was another incredible one, but to, you know, but, but, but to be honest, it has to be, you know, with all the hype that was going on, I would I would probably say between that federation title in 2019 and probably the Sierra Canyon game this year, um, those are the, the like the two most incredible moments that I've been a part of because the, the layup line of the Sierra Canyon game was so funny. Um, you know, the, the the opposing team they warm up in front of you. Obviously, you know that as a ref, and they're warming up in front of us. And I kid you not, there's 200 kids behind us, 200 kids behind us with Laker, Heat, Cavs jerseys, 
asking Bronny to like say their name and write their name and sign their jerseys and stuff like that. I mean, the juice that was in that gym that night, the emotional uh, juice that was in that gym that night was something that I've never been a part of. I don't think I've ever been a part of that before. Um, And, and like it, it was, and, and what made it even better was the fact that, you know, the game started out, um, it was 24-13, I think. They were up 24-13. And the crowd was like, pro Sierra Canyon. I'm like, wait, man, we're in Jersey. Why are we pro Sierra Canyon? We're in New Jersey. But, um, you know, when we started coming back, and I think uh, Andre made a move where he put it between one of their star players' legs in the backcourt and he hit a floater, then that completely turned the crowd. That completely turned the crowd, and they were like, oh, wait, this New York team is really good. Mm-hmm. Um, so that, that, was, that, was, that, was a, that was a really good one. And then I would be remiss, even though it came in a blowout loss. So I'm sorry I can't give you just one. But this one came in a blowout loss, but when we uh, – we played Montverde last year at Montverde um, in the championship game of their tournament. And if you've ever been to Montverde or if you ever have a chance to YouTube what Montverde Academy looks like, they they have an arena. <laughs> they pretty much have an arena too. And to be in that type of setting also when, you know, they they have entrance, like they have like, I can't even call it a college entrance. They have like an NBA entrance. The lights go off. <laughs> it starts flat. I mean, I'm serious. The lights go off. They have they have uh they have two huge screens and they they do like a player intro from the screen and like you're just you're looking at this thing and you're like, you know, as a coach, you know, you're 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 keeping your team focused, but then just as a fan of basketball who doesn't dream of being in like those moments where like, you know, it, you, we, I, I was, you know, I watched, we all watched NBA with the Bulls coming up and you hear the music no, yeah. and you're like, okay, like that's the type of, that's the type of feeling that it gives you. And, you know, being in that environment, man, thing was, was really good until the tip, uh, <laughs> until, 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 until the game had to start. Um, and, and when the game started, you know that's another story. Yeah, <laughs> that, 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 you know they showed they showed why they were the number one oh, team in yeah. the country by far. Yeah, it was by far. wasn't even close. Yeah, and I'm I'm not surprised by the uh, pyro pyrotechnics over there. Uh, Monte Verde in Latin means Green Mountain, so I wouldn't expect anything less mm-hmm. from them. Um, you know, you've had such an abnormal coaching experience I mean you've you've gotten to go so many places um, and you've got to play with so many people and you've had a great career yourself what does basketball mean to you what is it given to you in your life oh man basketball um you know basketball has um, introduced me to people I thought I would never uh, meet in my life basketball has um, taken me places that I thought I would never go um, basketball is 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 a it's a sport it's a vehicle you know it's also something that that um you know i never lost sight of it being fun um and that's that's that that's like the the biggest takeaway about the game is that like you know i love basketball because it is fun 
it's it, at the core of it. It's fun. You know, it's fun to see, you know, like no, no one is, um, you know, no one's getting seriously hurt from the game of basketball. And when I say seriously hurt, you know, like where they're making decisions, whether they're going to eat tomorrow or, or, or whatever, that, that type of stuff at the core of basketball, it's, it's, you're having fun, you know? And, um, and, and that's, that's what I love about it is the fact that I can have fun playing the game. I can have fun coaching the game and, um, you know, and be competitive at the same time. And, um, you know, even when I'm really competitive, even when I'm really, really competitive in the game, I just, I, I, I'm, I'm having fun at my core. And, um, you know, this is, this is like the, you know, that, that's what basketball has, has done for me. Basketball has, 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 you know, as, as I said before, I've, I've been, um, really all uh, at places that I thought I'd never go with this game. I, I've been to places I thought I would never go with this game. I've been, I've coached some incredible kids. You know, my, my kids are some incredible kids. They're some incredible human beings, you know, and that's why I, I still talk to, um, all my kids that I've, that I've coached. Um, you know, when I see them, you know, I try, I should say, I try to talk to them. I try to, uh, group text my alumni. I try to, you know, keep in touch with them as best as I can because, you know, they've done more for me than I think I've done for them. And um, I just always try to, uh, you know, be appreciative of them with that. So, you know, basketball is incredible. It's done a tremendous amount for me. Yeah, we appreciate all your contributions in the game. Hopefully that you continue to keep uh, imbuing your wisdom to all of these young men um, that you serve um, as the assistant coach at Lujai. Do me a favor. Uh, Dusty finally put me on the list last year. I'm probably getting one step closer to doing one of your games, so just take it easy on me when uh, when we have one of those games. And also, um, do me a favor. Next time I see you in the Luha gym, can you give me the Wi-Fi password, man? Yo, I might fucking never work in that gym. And, yo, I asked one of the ki- one of the kids. They're like, yeah, I got the student login. Like, let me get some of that because, bro, if you're not involved with the school, your Wi-Fi is done. So I don't know how anybody goes to those Luha camps and be okay with no Wi-Fi. Am I right or am I wrong? Yeah, you know what? You're right, and it's strategically done because when you come to Luai and you're there for basketball, just ball, baby. Yeah, you're just right. Just ball, man. baby. That's it. Right. That's it. <laughs> I hope you had fun with this pod. Any final words you want to say before we part ways? No, just thank you for having me. I appreciate it, man. This was a lot of fun. Um, definitely look forward to, to seeing you around and uh, look forward to, to coming on the show again, honestly. You know, this was, this was fun. Yeah, man. I enjoyed it. Part two coming soon. And for Josh Corbin, this is Ralph the Ref. This is The Rant. We are signing out. Peace.